Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. What's the Schemata? Um, we're here for another special special edition, special episode of What's the Schemata? Um, Obviously, um, there's a lot going on at the moment um, and a lot of questions being asked about how to deal with certain patients with fears around this, uh, you know, um, pandemic. And um, one of the things that's come up a great deal online um, that we've noticed is, you know, uh, folks really wanting some help and support around how to bring their practice online. Um, So I have with me today um, Dr. Z Lu from Sydney. Um, G'day, Z. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing all right, um, as well as we can this time. Yeah, yeah. You, you're getting, I imagine you're getting um, a bunch of, you know, requests and things, given that, you, you, you know, you've really been working in this space a lot for the last two, three years. Yeah, I have. And it's, um, and it's interesting because I've been kind of plodding along doing this work and suddenly there is such a big demand and I'm really happy that I have something to offer. Um, you know, I've noticed a lot of questions on Facebook groups and listservs asking, you know, what do I use? Do I use Zoom? Do I use this? And there's a lot of sort of questions that are just, you know, about getting started. So yeah. I'm really happy that I have something, you know, that I've... You, you have something to offer, really, you do at the moment. Um, and to give a bit of context to, um, you know, uh, Z has been working um, for the last two or three years quite closely with other colleagues uh, from the International Schema Society on how best to, um, you know, to, to get schema therapy happening on an online context. Absolutely, um, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. actually you presented this, I kind of know about this, um, really, you presented an awesome um, talk at our um, Schema Therapy at the Coalface conference in Sydney last year in 2019. I was really impressed. And um, so, look, I thought we'd invite you on to talk about um, what you've learned so far. Um, Thanks. Yeah. yeah so it's, um, it's really, it's really something that um, I think a lot of very skilled therapists have hesitated doing. Um, I remember having this conversation with so many, you know, my colleagues that are, I feel so much more experienced than I am, but they just feel so hesitant going moving into the online space. And I think that, you know, the, the hesitation is valid. You know, it is a different environment and there are um, issues with it. It's not a perfect medium, absolutely, but neither is face-to-face um, therapy. You know, we'll face-to-face work when we actually get to have clients come into our office. So, you know, so having that conversation back then, it was a lot of kind of convincing people that this is important because as we move forward, you know, there's a lot of research to show that a lot of clients are actually wanting to, um, to do online work because um, how accessible it is, um, how we're able to maintain the continuity when clients moving around, when they have jobs that does not allow them to you know, have a stable therapist that they see every week. So there's a lot of benefits for clients. Um, there's also a lot of benefits for therapists because, you know, I, um, I got into this work when initially because clients were moving away and I wanted to support them and be that stable base for them. But then I also um, had a baby um, moved from New York where I was practicing to Spain and then back to Sydney. And I found that, you know, this online work meant that even though I was moving around, I could still be a main, uh, you know, relatively stable base for clients once I, you know, set up my space. 
So there's a lot of benefits to it. And especially in this time now, um, okay. I'm able to maintain my connection with clients and give them support in a way that. So you initially got into it, Z, because of um, you're very transient. You've been quite transient yeah, as a I therapist, as a person. Yeah, I have. And, um, and regardless of that, you know, I was able to, to see clients and set up a, a space, you know, in office spaces all around the world. So, you know, so to speak. And so this medium has allowed me to maintain my livelihood yeah. in a really rich way. And help people and continue helping people that need it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a big thing, Z. I'm getting a lot of um, requests and like, you know, p- p- chatter um, around this. Of course, everyone in Australia is looking ahead of what's going to happen, you know, for yeah. the next few months, if we're going to help our patients. Um, I'm even getting folks, I know that a therapist getting repatriated. I was just talking yeah. to someone just yesterday who's repatriating because um, it's not safe necessarily overseas. And they're like, how am I going to support my patients back home, Absolutely. like where they live at the moment in Asia? Or well, so. well, that's it. They can, right? They just have to, you know, once they come home and they are more settled and they are more grounded, they can set up a space where they actually can continue this work. And I think something to remember is that it's true this technology is not perfect and that there are risks. And we'll talk about that a little bit um, in the next hour. But there are always risks in life and, you know, clients who are more attached in face-to-face work. Right. See, so so really what you're saying is, you know, this is not a time for our demanding parent mode. It's not a time for our over-controller. You know, yes. this is survival and that's that's what these modes are for. Yeah. And I've had to, to ground myself in that as well. Like I've sent out a couple of resources um, to our communities on this topic and you know i've sent out a document that i thought oh gosh i haven't edited it properly i think there's some grammatical mistakes which normally i would really agonize over i thought oh, because stop you're it. a perfectionist this is not the time to think about grammatical mistakes you know if people are going to judge yeah. me for that then i can live with it <laughs> yeah of course that's a good reminder there's more things important than our perfectionism but yeah i'd like to get the message out there anyway if you've got something useful to do, um, if, whether it's putting out a pamphlet or whether it's, um, you know, helping this patient in front of you. Absolutely. All right. So I've got a bunch of questions. Um, we've been canvassing from folks and I've been noticing on different, different forums. So um, I might just start hitting you with that, Z. Is that okay? Go for it. So the first one is, I think, um, at the moment, probably the first thing people ask about is what what's the best or cheapest kind of platform that we should be looking at at the moment so that people can get started with online therapy sure so so first of all um there's a lot of practicalities we can go into about data protection and so forth but i won't waste our time doing that because um a couple of things the um you know the australian government has come up with medicare rebates that that actually allow us to see clients on skype on every device possible um i wouldn't recommend that um because there is a part of me that think oh this is the right time for for hacking to happen so i would recommend going with a paid platform which has encryption which is um secure so any of the um you know paid video conferencing platforms like zoom vc go to meeting they've been used by you know therapists for telehealth for a very long time um and they meet medicare okay. requirements for security yeah. and they are also HIPAA compliant i've also heard of one recently called covio which is an australian one that's dedicated um to telehealth and yeah. have servers in australia um so they're subjected to i've australia. had a great experience so far with zoom myself i pretty much yeah, run yeah. all my online stuff on zoom 
Yeah, I use all online Zoom and it works really well. There's also a free version of Zoom. Um, I'm not sure if that is compliant. Uh, some have said it is, some have said it isn't. I need to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper. But the free version has a limited of session time to 40 minutes. So that's a bit inconvenient for a magical 50 to 60 minute block. But yeah. I think any of the paid platforms are secure. Yeah, yeah. Well, as secure as it can be. You know, I want to really emphasize we can never 100% guarantee you know, confidentiality and privacy yeah. the same way as we can. Well, that's one thing, actually, I don't know if you do this, but um, I did change my consent process um, a couple of, a little while back, um, just to, to, to point to, I uh, basically say something along the lines of, you know, um, should you ever try to communicate with me on a, in an online way, whether it be email or by, by uh, video conferencing or whatnot, um, be, please be aware of the inherent risks of communicating um, mm -hmm. on those platforms. Yeah, um, do that. Yep. So, you know, it's just to, to let people know ahead of time, of course, these things are not 100% infallible. Yes. Um, yeah. And that way they're, they're aware and they can, they can make that choice to continue. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's kind of giving people... You know, opportunity consent um, and you know it's I understand that we want to do no harm in our profession but I think in a time of crisis and, and also when clients are going through crisis we really need to think about doing less harm rather than yeah. doing no harm because and then you know we have to use our best judgment to see what the clients need right now and how we can best support them yeah okay and and so some other things um, any other practicalities therapists should know before getting started um, I can think of things like whether it's internet speed or the consent process or something like that. But, you know, what, what are the basic practicalities people need to be aware of? So in, you know, in the perfect scenario, good internet is very important because it's stable, right? And internet dropouts can be quite disruptive, especially when we're doing more um, emotional focus work, you know, in the middle of an imagery scripting, internet drops out. It is, it can be tricky. It really is. Um, but given that we're moving onto online very rapidly, folks at home may not have this set up in time, whether it's your therapist or the client. So have a plan in place, right? So if your internet drops out, talk about using your phone, but have it something in place so that the client knows what's going to come next if internet does drop out. And so that it helps to manage the abandonment. Right. I guess the issue would be more if, if the sense is we don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah, well, you know, there's no plan in place. That would be the thing that would be like more destabilizing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's again, kind of using our limited reparenting model of just being sturdy and giving some options of if this happens, we can try this. We'll do the best that we can. Yeah. So it's really bringing that healthy adult like to, to your sessions like where your patient might be coming in, you know, rattled, triggered, but we just want to try to bring some of that healthy adult into that, the stable base kind of thing. Yeah. And there are, you know, again, I've talked about this in the past, you know, around, um, when we normally assess clients for suitability for online therapy, you know, we talk about how stable they are, you know, whether there's any um, active suicidality or impulsivity, you know, whether they're competent or knowledgeable about technology, um, what's the history of cooperativeness with professionals are because um, with online work, we do need a certain level of collaboration. You know, they, clients need to um, take a much more proactive role than in face-to-face -face in terms of setting up their system, um, establishing a private space and be responsible for their own care. And so their cooperation is really critical for us. So you're saying that there does need to be a basic level of collaboration and sort of lack of chaos 
such that yes. you can you can get some work done in an online setting yes absolutely like, like you don't want yes. clients that are like you know perhaps new clients and that are extremely chaotic and can't for example it get connected or yeah it makes online work much harder because our, our ability to um like there's just a lot of bits that we cannot control right and so we always want to try to manage that as best as we can and in face-to-face -face, i think the person is in front of us we are physically located with them you know like we're pretty closely living um, in terms of distance, not too far away from each other. So we know how to, you know, connect with community mental health and various things like that. As the clients get further from us, those elements, so those factors become more unknown. So if the client mm. is based in London and you're in Sydney, you're less aware of what, what the support network is there, right? It's, it's much harder to get in contact with so so what you know the further away clients yeah. are the more we need to be really clear about um do we have you know the details such that you can support them in a crisis absolutely so, you know. yeah and again understanding what their risk levels are as best as we can um you know if there is suicidal risk if there is um risk to their health um we need to have some ideas on how to kind of manage that yeah yeah, and so I mean, I guess one of the things is, you know, you, let's say you get a patient from wherever, let's let's say, you know, in another state, mm -hmm. really knowing clearly what their you know their address, um, make, you know, all the things that we would usually do, but um, those things are going to be really important in a case where um, we can't, if we're not physically proximal to the patient, mm -hmm. and we, we yeah. we're going to need to make potentially connect them with help. Um, yeah, in a crisis. Now we don't want to freak people out. This is, of course, going to be like a low percentage of yeah right of your clients but but that's kind of like the basics of getting it started of um, feeling safe on an online forum absolutely yeah and just and also understanding that um you know when we have less understand like if we don't have a very kind of clear safety plan it can be tricky if the client becomes a bit more unstable so you know having those things in mind makes it uh, makes it more secure for the therapist as well okay so so we start you know from a position of safety um, any other little practicalities uh, you'd want to mention um, uh, at this stage? Um, yeah, I think there's, there's so much to it. Um, there's, you know, just thinking about how we set our camera, um, you know, lighting can change throughout the day and can look quite odd. Um, I don't know if you've had the experience when you're talking to someone online and they kind of have this glow from the back of their head and they look like uh, because they're in front of a window and it, it looks like that backlit kind of make them look a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, so just be aware of that. You know, the, the camera is a stage, right? Yeah. And so think of it that way that we have to set the stage so that we look as comforting as we do in face-to-face -face work. Yeah. Um, and so just have a think about that. You know, there's things about you know, the camera um, because um, unfortunately when we look at our clients at their face, it's a little bit off. Um, you know, it doesn't, does it make sense? Like if we're looking at them on the screen, it doesn't look actually directly look. So it's things them. like at times you might be wanting to look actually into the camera if exactly. you want to connect with them, like in an eye contact way. Yeah. And with, um, with a laptop, it's actually cal the calibrations a little bit better so that it doesn't look as off, but, um, All right. using an actual, um, I found that with clients who are actually using a proper camera, yeah. on top of the, the further, I guess the further away the camera is, the more off 
That's all right. So there's a few little nitty-gritty, like, yeah. this sounds like, because I know you're a perfectionist, see, I know you that well. No, I'm so not. There's a bunch of little nitty-gritty things that yeah. I think, um, you know, you're going to do, uh, I think we're talking about later, um, you're just going to set up an online webinar where you can, you know, uh, really yeah. take your time to go through all of that. Yeah, um, yeah. And we'll talk about that. But, but they're the sort of main sort of little bit of practicalities to get started. Um, okay, let's let's turn to more schema like therapeutic issues. Um, how 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 do the schema techniques really go in an online forum? I guess that's what I want to ask. How how do they come across? I would imagine. I mean, I've done a little bit of this myself. The cognitive and behavioural pattern breaking techniques seem to to play pretty standard in mm. an online forum. Would yeah. you agree? Yes, they are really not that different. Um, the only thing I will say about that is beware of this sort of didactic talking heads, right? As I said earlier, um, clients who are more detached will probably be even more detached online. And mm. because there is this screen between us, um, it does break the connection. So we have to work harder at reaching the client. And I'm going to call the term, we've got to break the virtual wall. So every therapy session, we have to break the, the virtual wall that gets in between us. And it's not that hard to do. We just have to be conscious of doing it. Mm -hmm. And so that means um, before starting your session with clients, just, you know, really ground yourself. You notice your feet on the ground um, beneath you. Um, you know, use all your, your, your senses to connect you to where you are. And that just helps you be really present. And it really shows, it really shows to the clients whether you're present or not. So think about doing that. Mm. Um, and, you know, don't rely on just kind of this you know, very didactic talking heads technique. Otherwise, you'd both be snoozing. Yeah. Yeah. And for say, I guess that's sort of the same reason we, for many of our patients that are more detached, we, tr we tend not to rely too much on cognitive techniques anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so sort of um, didactic. Yeah, you know, and it tends to really, be more didactic. Yeah, and I really want to get that across. Like, you know, online work is not that different to face-to-face -face work. It's really not that different, right? There are certain things that needs to be tweaked, but the core essence of it is about one human to another. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I like the idea of the virtual wall. And I'll say mm. something about that too because, yeah, I mean, I guess what you're saying is that there is that little bit of a virtual nature to it that, that does make it a bit less experiential, a bit less real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so and for our patients that are a bit detached, you, you're going to need to maybe ramp it up a little bit as in yeah. um, try to break through that wall and connect more. And, is that and what you're saying? Fact, I think schema therapy positions us um, really, really well to do online work, which I know is anti-intuitive. A lot of schema therapists actually have tried to argue with me otherwise because our work is so experiential and I have argued that it actually means that we can actually do this work better than others because yeah. it's our experiential work that helps to break that virtual wall. Now, here's the other thing I, I found. I wonder what you, I never said this to you before, Z. Um, what I've actually found, I've, I've had a few patients you might think of as very avoidant. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few patients where I've noticed they're actually more able to connect online. Oh, absolutely. I've because it's a little too. less experiential. You know, where I'm sitting directly across from me might be too much. Yeah. You know, having a bit of that virtual wall actually actually allows them the safety to open up a bit more. Oh, you know, absolutely. they don't have to deal with getting on a bus before coming to see me. They don't have to deal with all this other stuff. So what do you think of that? Yeah, well, uh, there's actually, 
Okay, research to show um, that the neutral space of the online environment feels safer for a lot of people, yeah. right? especially when there are shame-based disorders. Um, that's not to say that then, you know, we're going to want to encourage the avoidance of staying in the virtual world, but this is a really good place to start, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, you're absolutely right. Like a lot of avoidance clients are actually more able to do experiential work. Yeah. That really blew me away when I started doing this work. I, yeah. I did not expect that. Um, I thought, no, like no. you, I thought the virtual war was going to be more detached. Um, what I did find, there's a subset of patients that actually feel a bit more safe because they're in their own space, right? Absolutely. And for some, like I have a client who I've seen for a long time. Um, I used to see her in New York and she would get catcalled every time on the way to my therapy space and, uh, and going home and she, and she would just get so triggered. So after all the good work that we did in the therapy session, she would walk away, you know, f feeling so. And get re-triggered again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know, feeling so objectified and, yeah. and, and all the issues that we've been working on. So now I see her, you know, um, online. We've done so for a long time because she's, you know, she's in the US and I'm here. And, you know, she's able to do it in the comfort of her own home. She's able to set up, set up her therapy space um, yeah. very nicely. You know, we talk about um, the importance of a therapeutic frame, how important that is to actually help clients set that up in their own space. And, you know, and I can see that she can use the things within her own house to ground her. She can talk to her neighbor, various things like that. So, you know, to don't be afraid of using and being creative and using what the client have in their own home. It is a whole new world that's opened up. So part of that um, safety, is, I, I don't know, I'm imagining, you know, I don't know what they could be on their, on their favorite couch or I don't know. What, what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Could they, they could be on their favorite couch and that could be the couch like they come to. And, you know, if they feel triggered, they come and close their eyes and feel connected to you again. Right. So that, so use yeah. things like that. Um, I have a client who would, you know, go out to the porch and feel her feet on, on the cold, um, you know, on the cold wooden planks. And that's yeah. her way of feeling grounded. And you can do that with them. You can actually go out there with them. Right? Literally. I imagine, I mean, they might even, you know, want to sort of hold their pet or something or, yeah, like something like that that might soothe them if you're doing experiential work. I don't Absolutely, know. Um, all those uh, what distractions slash aids they have a positive and negative to them because on one hand they can be really beneficial. Um, right, as as I you're saying, people can take it too far. Yes, they, it, can become, <laughs> it can become a safety blanket. Um, so so being mindful of that, and I've also you know had things like. Um, I remember once I was on a call with a client and they were in their holiday home and, um, and it was a hot summer's day. And without any hesitation, my client just said, I'm just going to go grab a beer. Hang on a sec. Right. And before I had a chance to interject, they were off. So and it's a little bit of a challenge. You know, yeah. even though you want it to be safe, you don't want it to be too familiar or yeah. to lack boundaries. You still yeah. need, it needs to be a therapeutic space. You don't want them sitting there eating popcorn or something. Yes. So it's important Treat, to talk treating about. you like Netflix. Yes. But the, the silver lining to that is these, you know, these um, issues that come up, they are good clinical information, right? So we can use that information. You know, this with this client that helped me understood that, you know, setting boundaries didn't come naturally to them. Right. So so that's And a maybe a self-soother was the first thing they're gonna to go to. Boom. That's it. So, yeah. so you know, it's it's useful information. Work with it, right? It, you know, we we are entering their home, so it's going to be a new phase of getting used to what that means. You're going to see things that you haven't seen before. Um, 
it's an it's like um, getting to know each other again for the first time. Do you get a bit more of a window into things? You know, sometimes, you know, it is good to for certain patients, like we say with OCD, to go to their home and actually see the triggers. And I would imagine you get a bit of a window into do. what it's like. You can actually see exactly what they do. They can show you. Right. And then you can actually work with them in a really tailored way, um, you know, how they can actually break those patterns. Have you ever had any issues like, you know, having people's family members or like their mum come and to scream at them or something? Uh, <laughs> <Not my laughs> like literally having those schema maintaining things. Yeah, I haven't had parents, but I've had little kids wander in, uh, um, you know, interrupting. Um, and again, it's very telling. Right? It tells a lot about the struggles to setting boundaries, the self-sacrifice, various things. So no, there's no really space for them or whatever, yeah. Absolutely. So you're actually getting a real, a, a realer picture than of clients in some way. Okay. Um, so Z, the next question I have, I think it's kind of a million dollar question, you know, schema therapy is such an experiential space, um, you know, techniques around imagery and chair work. Can we just start with imagery? You know, what's been your experience trying to, to use imagery and imagery rescripting in an online forum? Well, imagery work is not that dissimilar to what we do face-to-face. -face. Um, in fact, I think that medium translates really, really well to online work. I will say to start slowly, trying to do some limited parenting by meeting the needs of the child without antagonists first, if you can. You can even use the image of your therapy room as a safe space, and you can really get creative with that. Um, so one example I've heard is... Um, you know, I host a um, I host a monthly special interest group on online schema therapy, and there's wonderful clinicians on there. We often, you know, we share a lot of ideas. And you know, one person used this example of um, a client that they've never seen, who's in a completely different country, um, and has the very high um, uh, mistrust and abuse schema. So the therapist actually, um, his name is Hagara Feldman, who's my colleague, and we do a lot of this work together. Yeah. Um, she took her laptop with her and actually t went for a little tour with the client to show the client exactly where she would walk and what she would see as she's coming into the office. And then in fine detail, moving the laptop to show little knickknacks on the wall, little decorations, um, you know, the cushion on the couch. So to give her a kind of virtual tour of her office. Yeah, but in a, really, in a very somatic and sensual way. Right, so you actually really get a real sense of what it's like to be in the room with the client. And once you've done that, she actually used that room as a client's, you know, as part of the imagery work that she did to, to, when she's doing the limited reparenting. Work. Yeah. So it can be really powerful to, to use these you know, creative ways to do it. So you may need to get a bit creative, um, but the bottom line is um, the imagery work, because really we just have to close our eyes, right? Mm. So whether they're in front of us or not, yeah. um, it tends to be kind of business yeah. as usual. For the, for most, the most part, part. Um, again, just checking um, clinically, we've we've seen that it tends to work better with clients with some healthy adult. So just be a bit kind of tentative and working towards that because you know any if it could trigger them um, and they can kind of become a bit more destabilized, but we we're not there physically with them. So just move slowly. Right. So move slowly is another thing because we're not there with them, the, having the capacity to move slowly, maybe um, establish um, a safe place um, for those folks that are using online. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe establish but some, some basic slowly. grounding skills. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. as in, you know, if we get a bit dysregulated, you know, here's some things we can do, 543 technique, what, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And don't be hesitant to direct clients to do things. I find that sometimes therapists are more hesitant to direct clients to do things um, in their own space. So um, we'll talk about chair work in a minute. So I might kind of flow into that. Um, there's something about has, like therapists that are hesitating asking clients to to move their chairs around from place A to B because in you know in your office you'd be able to move things around yourself. Yeah. But it's a little bit of directing, so you will have yeah. to get you know, ask clients to do certain things. And similar, you know, with grounding techniques, like don't be afraid to to direct them. To, to be quite directive, I sort of see that within the gaze of that when patients become a bit destabilized and a bit sort of dysregulated. Often the need is stability. Yes. So actually having that voice saying, hey, it's okay, you know, let's do this right now. Can I get you to open your eyes? Look at me. I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. Actually being quite directive um, would make yes. the need. Yes, and, and that, that phrase that you use, I'm here with you, is really powerful. And I think sometimes he um, therapists get a bit hesitant to use that when they're working online because yeah. they're not actually there with them. But you are there with them. You are there with them emotionally. And of course you are. Yeah, they've got your full attention. Exactly. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. You can be with someone physically, but completely they're absent emotionally. So we're doing the yeah. opposite. Right, right. You can be in the same room and be absolutely absent. Correct. Yeah, I like it. Okay, that's cool. So, um, and what about what about chair work? I guess that's another million dollar question because yes. that's always. I mean, I must admit that's always been a bit tricky for me it in an is. online context. I agree, and you know, like, you know, with with chair work, movement is such an important factor to um, in the efficacy of it. Right. So, adapting chair work for the online environment, the logistics of arranging multiple chairs and making sure there's enough space for movement in the client's room or you know kitchen or wherever they're at can be a bit challenging because they're not in a space that's carefully planned by the therapist so there are a few options um and some of these may seem a bit you know obvious but some others are not so no, much. nothing obvious uh, today <laughs> so yeah depending on the limitations of the situation of course um i've seen clients whose rooms are like absolutely tiny tiny and they have one single bed and then a chair so you go to work with that um you know if the client has more capacity and more um space you can invite them to prepare chairs for upcoming sessions um, or use the mobility of the chairs that they already have. Wheelie chairs are really good. You can actually get them to wheel to one part of the room. And then when they're in another mode, wheel to the other one. Mm. And again, using those, you know, um, um, those techniques that we have around kind of like, like now you're in the mode, right? If you're in this chair, you're in the mode, right? You can even get them to stand up and then sit back down. So we're kind of working with those sort of Trying to get that separation. Separations, yeah, absolutely. The other thing I've, um, I've played around with is is with people that are um, basically only online, is getting them to nominate an object, which can mm -hmm. be cue them into that role. Yes. So it'd be like you know the critic, whatever, right? Um, whatever the object might be that you sort of does, or the healthy adult thing, like um, you know I've used like whether it be a pen, particular pen they like, or it could be really anything. Yeah, and actually, you get very creative with that. Yeah, and they can, and because it's something in their own household, 
then they can actually use it over time and you know it also becomes a transitional object yeah absolutely or if it's like a pen that represents you know the punitive critic they can actually you know put that on there right you can actually then write down the um, punitive critic comments that they're experiencing and then stick it right next to the pen saying like this is from you yeah this is actually you can work with those things um i've seen um different examples of using objects and mode cards to represent modes um again another colleague tried this where um she was working with someone's um uh, angry protector and she got a cactus um and you know every time they talked about it you know she would hold the therapist would hold the cactus up and then the client um, was represented by a little figurine of dora the explorer and so she you know by moving those objects around in front of the camera and in, in, in space she was able to demonstrate again you have to imagine this because we're on podcast you can't see my hands moving around <laughs> right now you know, imagine you've got the cactus on one hand and dora the explorer behind the cactus you know, you're really demonstrating to the client that, you know, this is how your angry protector worked. You know, angry protector is like the cactus and, and Dora's right here. Now, can you be Dora behind the cactus? And what does Dora So a lot of creative license. Yes. Yeah. Really get, yeah, yeah, don't be restricted by just talking. That's what I'm saying. Like, we have to break that virtual wall. We have this to is one of the things I really like about what you're saying because um, we're kind of forced into that online. Mm. But actually, I think this is very important for, for any scheme of like people who scheme of therapy is, is bring, bring your own creativity into things. You know, it's not a sort of manualized treatment in the traditional sense. And be playful, right? Yeah. Be creative, be playful. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it kind of falls a bit flat. That's okay too. Yeah, try again. Yeah, yeah. Keep learning from it. Um, all right. And all right, so I've got this other question, which is, um, you know, what what would you say, say to the therapist? I'm sure there's heaps of us out there that, you know, been doing plenty of therapy and all that sort of thing, but, you know, now we're in this context where we really have to think about online and they're a little anxious to give it a go. You know, what, what tips or what would you say to that person, to that therapist? I think if they are a schema therapist, I think you are um, or no schema therapy techniques, you're really well placed because um, I would say do emotional focus work and do experiential work. It's really important um, to build connection with clients. Um, you know, another strategy that you know we've talked about is um, in our group um, is you know the idea of sending virtual hugs to clients. You know, we can actually ask you know say to clients like I'm giving you a virtual hug right now. Can you feel it? Right. Yeah. I can. And will you literally saying, send them some like an icon or something through the no, message button? Well, you could, but I've just you know put my hands up <clears throat> to the screen. Um, yeah, and I did this just actually yesterday with a client who has very strong social alienation schema, which is not good right now when you're um, <laughs> when you're in home isolation. You know, so I'm sending a big hug and saying, yeah. thank you. Yeah. and then I turned it up a notch by saying, "Okay, you close your eyes and just you know just feel that hug." Right? Can you put your arms around yourself right now? I can just 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 be here right now. I'm here with you. Just giving you this hug. So I guess what you're saying here too, in a way, is, wow, you know, often we're thinking about our pattern-breaking techniques. Often we'd be saying to patients, hey, you know, you've got to get out and about and, you know, connect. And, you know, at the moment that's that's actually a pretty hard sell. So I don't know, what do you think about that? Like how do we help people who are isolated and not connected? I saw a meme that's been floating around that says, go check on your extroverted friends. <laughs> They're struggling with this home isolation. And you mean like I like look through a, them or actually visit them? Uh, check on them. 
well, virtually check on them, I guess, yeah, in this yeah. case, the safest way. Um, and I'm an extrovert. I'm feeling it. So um, I'm finding the, uh, these virtual connections really helpful. And it's the same with your clients. They're going to find the virtual connections really helpful. So don't feel that you're giving them any less. I can remember this. You, know, you can be physically in the room with them and give them nothing emotionally. Yeah. If you can do this work with them and be really grounded and connected and present, you're giving them so much. Absolutely. And I think the same says for the behavioral pattern breaking then. Like, you know, we are, we are, we're a lot of distance, but, and we might not be able to say visit our um, parents or visit our cousins or whatever, but you know, what's, we should be reach out and use the technology. And I know Absolutely. it makes a, a big difference to yeah. folks who are isolated to, to reach out, even if it's a five minute WhatsApp or whatever, say, Hey, Hey, do you and there's think so of many of these things sprouting out and there's going to be more and more. A friend of mine is hosting an, um, a zoom karaoke session. You know, I've heard of like Zoom dance parties. You know, every uh, every museum in the world seems to be offering some sort of online tour. Or um, I'm going to get. I think I'm going to get shares in Zoom or something soon. Zoom is absolutely everywhere at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So really, you know, encourage your clients to you know, utilize these resources available. It's not perfect. So I guess it's at any time in history where we're better equipped to deal with the isolation than than maybe at any point in history. Oh, absolutely. Our technology is so great. We can do so much with it. Yeah. We can can still reach out. We can still connect. You know, we're connecting with the audience right now, Z. We're able to get some of this stuff out there and connect with folks right now. We can truly say, I'm here with you and really mean that. I'm here with you. I love it. I love it. Look, there's one thing I, I, I forgot to mention. I just wanted to get out there too, just real quick. Um, one thing I, I also noticed before with my avoidant clients is what do you think about the use of the message bar to write things down that they wouldn't be able to say to Brilliant. you? You know, this I've had cool. such a good experience with yeah. that. It's so, so useful because we want to find all the different ways to have access to clients internal world and if this means the more avoidant clients can actually get that out then for you to read that's beautiful online chat rooms have you know for any minority group for any hard to reach group have been a lifesaver because it allows people to say really into yeah. things i had this experience i'll share with everyone um once of a very avoidant client who, who really just wouldn't talk for a whole sessions and um, for whatever reason, we ended up doing some online stuff and I thought it was going to get worse. And it kind of did at first. And it was just like, we're, we're there and there's nothing going on. And then I, I just, you know, because I was just stumped really, I yeah. sort of said, Look, you reckon you could just sort of type a few things out and we could talk that way. You can even shut down the, um, shut down the camera if you want. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my God, you should have seen. It just opened up. Just boom. Wow. Right. It well, was just like. Step ladder, right? Straight up, right? Straight up. It was just content. This is a step ladder. This is, you know, low, like, you know, like low grade. Like this is window of tolerance, experience. right? This is, I can tolerate typing things out. That's about it. I can't f- look at you and say these words. Uh, and think of all the good that you can do there and then slowly move that up. Absolutely. It was amazing. I mean, the, the scheme of stuff just came straight. It was like this stuff that I, I'd never even dreamed of, you know, mm-hmm. like about how she felt about the therapy and different things um, just yeah, started coming out. And so that was really helpful. Um, so I wanted to, sh- yeah, I just want to share that. Z, we're, we're sort of getting towards the end, back end of the podcast. So I just wanted to open up to you. Any final tips out there for our therapist, um, you know, making the transition out there either uh, to bring their scheme of practice online? I think at this time, my main message is 
Try not to get bogged down with the details. I know um, a really dear colleague said to me recently, they spent so many, many minutes um, finding out the difference between Zoom Health and Zoom Pro and, and, and was worried that one was less encrypted than the other. And, and I think at the end of the day, we're dealing with a really unusual time. Um, let's just go with, you know, we, we try to be doing things safely, but try not to get too bogged down with the details. Um, so that we can, you know, like just to connect to our healthy adult and try to remember that we are doing the best that we can and we're doing the best that we can for ourselves and for our clients. Thank you so much. Love it. See, thank, look, see, thanks for, for donating your time to, to speak to, you know, all the listeners of the podcast and try to get some of these healthy messages out there about um, online therapy. Um, it's been great talking to you. Um, I also wanted to do say a couple of things about, um, could you maybe plug, um, some things about your webinar that you're organizing at the moment, um, sure. anything like that, because I, I think people want to connect with you at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'll be um, running some webinars next week, early next week um, on my, um, on this topic. Um, so we'll be putting out dates for the two webinars very soon. If you're interested, um, you can go onto my website, www.lifetherapy, all one word, lifetherapy.org forward slash online to register your interest for the groups that are coming up. We'll have dates coming up very soon. Um, it'll be early next week. And the first topic will be um, for the series. The series is called, we are calling it Breaking the Virtual Wall. It's a webinar yeah. on telehealth video Beautiful. conferencing. And the first one will be Getting Started with Telehealth, Introducing video conferencing tools for therapy. And we're covering topics like setting up a camera um, and the room for optimal engagement, security and ethical issues and helping. So you go more into the real nuance. I mean, we just took, took you know, um, some, some time here to talk about the basics, but mm. you, you have time to go really into the detail a bit more. Yeah, and we'll also give you some time for questions as well because yeah. I'm sure everyone has specific questions. Um, so, yeah, well, so everyone, there's a great resource. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great resource. Um, you know, Z does a great deal of work with us with our trainings and supervision, um, and she's an awesome presenter and right on top of this space. So for those of you that are interested in this stuff, um, I, I highly recommend it. Um, see, so I, I hope to see you soon. Now, what, Z, one more thing. I, I, I noticed there are a couple of documents you produced, like a kind of tips. And um, Would you mind if we put that up on our website for our listeners? Absolutely. Um, to listen to this right podcast. Yep. The more so, we can get it out there for people to get started, the better. I think time is the essence at the moment. So we'll put those up um, if you go to schematherapytraining.com and click on um, the What's the Schemata um, podcast icon and you'll see there'll be some resources up there and, and the podcast. Awesome. All right, Z. Thanks for thanks again for, for making the time to talk to us Pleasure. all. Um, hope to see you around. I'm sure I'll see you yes. soon. Um, stay safe, everyone. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.